Many of you remember Dr. Zelenko, the courageous doctor who saved countless lives using hydroxychloroquine during the pandemic. Dr. Z not only saved lives in the United States, but many countries adopted his protocols and he saved even more lives around the world. Since those early days, him and his team at ZStack developed an entire line of immunity building supplements from Z Detox to Z Shield to Z Night. Now they also have Kids ZStack. It's the same as the adult ZStack, but formulated to protect kids from the onslaught they will see this cold and flu season. What many don't know about Dr. Z was his passion to end child trafficking. Before he passed away, he partnered with Mission Safe Harbor, and now a portion of every sale of Kids ZStack is donated to help end child trafficking. Now you can protect your kids while also helping to protect kids everywhere. Buy using the link below or go to sarahwessel.com under shop. Know you are protecting your entire family while also helping to end child trafficking. That's right. Well, I don't know why you aren't carrying a gun. I mean, <laughs> that's something I might do even more. I mean, I don't know. I would probably do that. But that being said, now, that do you list the states that are all involved? Yeah, we, we do. And we don't make a big, huge thing of it because each one would kind of be its own book. Um, but we do talk about the states. One of the things that people have asked me about a lot is, you know, who have you talked to? Well, is anybody doing anything? I'll give you an example of where something was done, uh, just so people get a, a weird sense of how this works. Um, in my in, in the 2011 investigation that I was doing, and then again in 2019 and 2020, we found in both the Arizona state bar system and in the California state bar system, phantom lawyers. Now, in case somebody doesn't understand what a phantom lawyer is, that's where the person, a, a, a physical person shows up in the profile, in a profile on the bar website. There's a bar number assigned to that person. They look like they are real. They have a name, an address, et cetera, but they don't actually exist. They are literally phantoms. They are, are creations. Now, it should be pretty obvious to anybody who knows anything about computers that in order to have this, you have to have an inside job. There has to be somebody on the inside who helps upload these things, because otherwise, how would you get somebody a bar number that's in the correct position? Um, you know, in California, you know, bar numbers are handed out sequentially. So you get them as you join the bar. Uh, since, you know, thousands of people take the California bar exam, you know, as they are passed, as they are getting get a passing grade on the exam, they are assigned a number. So it's not quite alphabetical but it's kind of close. And so each year, you know, there's a certain number set aside and there's sequential numbering. Um, that's the only way you can do this. Uh, when we found both phantom lawyers, you know, I, I can I'll tell you my first conversation with the state bar when I found one in 2011, and I called the state bar investigative body and I said, look, here's what you got. And the first question they asked me is they said, well, are any of his clients complaining? And I said, <laughs> no, he doesn't yeah, have any yeah. clients, you idiot. Yeah. And I said, no, this is a phantom. I, I don't think the clients are going to complain. Um, and it literally took almost a month for them to sit around in meetings and figure out what I was talking about. Uh, so when this came up again in 2019 with a particular lawyer who we had a pretty good idea was a phantom, um, it, it didn't take nearly as long to solve the problem. Now, it took the bar. I met with the the bar. I met with the both bar and attorney general investigators in June 2021, and it took I think to the beginning of 2020, about six months, for that lawyer to be removed. So now, if you go to that lawyer's profile on the state bar website, the profile will be there with a whole series of warnings that if you've had any interaction, if you had any kind of interaction, which obviously would only be on paper, with this lawyer, contact the bar immediately. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, you know, the work get is slow. You know, government agencies do not work fast on doing much, but they do work. Um, one of the one of the more important agencies that also gets overlooked and we have not talked about it much uh, is the Internal Revenue Service. All of this laundered money is, you know, is is tax evasion. Um, you know, with laundering, you know, anything comes tax evasion. So as one of the, I dislike the, the IRS, I guess you can use them as this yeah, <laughs> for this you, purpose. Well, yes. As much as people dislike the IRS, the IRS also has a really, really solid investigative body for things like this. 
And, you know, they're one of the few agencies that does not care, as you can tell, does not care about politics at all. If they think there's money to be collected because that's their job, they will go and they will catch the people and they will charge them the money and they will seize assets and do the rest. Um, so I would say to a lot of people. I would say they care a little bit about politics, right? Because certain people are targeted for investigation simply because of politics. Yeah, yeah. But in general, yes, they just want money. Right. I would, say, there's, I would no, there's also problems. add that the IRS is not immune to corruption either. That's um, right. From experience. Um, that I have no. been done. I have I have been harassed through uh, the IRS, um, you know, because of my involvement in this in this whole case. Oh, you have been. OK, that's yeah. what I'm talking about, because that's something that well, I'm I, familiar with, that people I know have been harassed yeah. by the IRS well, simply no, because of harassed. whatever. Go ahead. Well, let me say something. We actually you know, we have been dealing we have been talking directly to very high up individuals in the IRS. For several years now about this gathering evidence providing evidence etc so if people think they're going to get away scot-free they've got another thing coming that's not going to happen uh we don't publicize that part and we don't talk much about that investigation because those parts of the investigation have you know secrets to them for good reason you know we don't want to tell people in advance that they're being targeted that they're being investigated that their money is because then they remove the money uh however i would say this when one of the things that we discussed with the with with IRS early on was that there was going to be targeting, there was going to be IRS agents involved. And what what again, what people we have not talked about before, so it's kind of an exclusive to you, is that we have actually caught now a number of IRS agents, especially in Arizona, uh, who are on the take. That would make and, sense. You know, they're and they're at the lower levels. You know, we're not dealing with the upper echelon people. There, there are different problems there. The lowest learner case sure. other things are different problems. But at the lower levels, you've got individuals who are paid off in the IRS offices to specifically do audits, you know, find any, you know, any tax monies owed and then harass, you know, the person who owes them. Um, you know, we have found a bunch of that. We have been able to gather their documents. Uh, and those people can expect that they're not going to have a job very soon. Well, that's good. Um, so that's excellent. I mean, you're solving some of those problems. That's absolutely excellent. So uh, yeah. go, keep going. Say what you're going to say. Well, let me say one more thing about that, too. And that is, you know, this one of the things I think there's been two major things. Interestingly, well, three things that have upset people. One thing that's upset people that, you know, obviously we haven't really discussed today is the abduction of my child, McKinley. Um, who's now yeah, was that related to this? I mean, did they abduct yeah. him because you were doing yeah. this investigation? Exactly why. For God's uh, sake, when, that's when a the, big deal. And and, and you, they probably weren't expecting. It usually works when somebody takes someone's kid. It kind of works a lot of times. But you got tell me you got him back. You got to explain the whole story. And you weren't detoured. You kept going. So keep telling no, the I story. Have, I have, um, I have not gotten him back. McKinley was abducted basically three times. Uh, oh let me, for people who don't explain a little bit of the story, because there's a background to this. Um, I got remarried. I've been married once before. I got remarried in um, in in 2016 uh, to somebody who was a paralegal working at a fairly you know major you know boutique law firm in Arizona. And w in 2017, we we got pregnant. Uh, and in two, you know, after McKinley was born, which was in December 2017. Uh, I went to do a trust, you know, for us in case something happened to to my my wife and me. And in doing so, I found a series of documents in the recorder's office that were clearly fraudulent documents and clearly belonged to my spouse. And that's what kicked off what you'll read about in the book. I mean, that's what kicked off part of the investigation, which led to more and led to more and led to more and ultimately led to her cooperation in the investigation. And ultimately, into in late 2019, led to her asking for WITSEC, federal witness protection. The okay. moment she did that, family members of hers immediately made threats against her, threats against me, and threats against McKinley. And, you know, the first time she took McKinley was literally on his birthday, on his second birthday uh, in December of 2019, um, thinking that she was keeping him safe. Uh, when problems didn't materialize, I got him back. We then had court orders that provided for 50-50 custody. 
Uh, she then took him a second time in April of 2020 and then and held him for several weeks. And then when the court got on her and made her return him, she did. And then for the last time she took him, she took him in September, on September 19 of 2020. So this will be, I have not seen him. I have not heard from him. I have not had any communications with him. Neither has any member of my family. Uh, that includes my oldest son uh, has not been able to talk to his brother. Uh, my sister, his aunt, has not been able to talk to him. Uh, Jackie Brager, whose daughters used to babysit for him, have not been able, Jackie and her family have not been able to talk to McKinley at all. Okay, um, so we've this had was no your ex-wife that took him? And how do you well, know it's not that it's related to this versus her just not, who just wanting her kid? How do you, how do you distinguish the difference? Go ahead. Because she is directly involved in the money laundering. Now you divorced her. Was, was there a conflict when you saw, I mean, I would think there was an emotional conflict there. Did you just, no. you're a criminal. I don't want to be with no. you. I'm going to get a divorce. I mean, what happened? No, what happened is almost exactly the opposite. What happened was, was that she, she abducted McKinley on December 12th, 2019. And then the following day on December 13, filed a petition. She filed the petition for dissolution of marriage. Because um, she found, because you are, found out she was involved in this corruption. Did somebody threaten her? That was it. Did you, did somebody threaten yeah. her and say, you better get out of this marriage and all this other stuff? I mean, it seems yeah. like there's, cause why would someone just, it seems odd. Go ahead. No, that's, no, that's exactly what happened. She was, she was seeking in November, a month earlier, she was seeking WITSEC protection, which is federal witness protection. And myself and a colleague of mine were making application for her to receive, uh, you know, that kind of protection. And, you know, family members found out what she was doing and immediately threatened her and threatened me. And because they were to involved too. Because these other family members oh, yeah. were involved. Okay. Yeah. And I, I've referred to them, I've referred to them in, in tweets as the Chavez, as the Chavez crime family. And that's the best way I can describe them. Uh, this is a family that's been involved in the money laundering and of drug monies, you know, now for probably about 25, 30 years. So is she estranged and, from you? I mean, totally. She has the kid and stuff. Do you think you could get that situation back under control? I mean, obviously she wanted to. She well, just, let the me say pressure com coming from her family members are too, is too strong. She, she originally, she did want to. And in fact, she and I would have, you know, you might say, I wouldn't quite call it secret meetings. I think that overstates it, but we would get together and we would get together with McKinley. Um, and we tried to find ways to work it out. And for a number of months we did. The problem was, is that the threats became too big and she panicked uh, and, and essentially took him because she was afraid that if he were with me, something would happen. Um, and it just became, it became too big of a panic for her emotionally. And as a result, she won't, won't give him back. Literally. I could see um, a mom doing that. I mean, I, just yeah. to be honest, and, I could see a mom doing that. It's thinking that she's yeah. protecting her and child. The, yeah. And the book will take you through the whole story. So like I said, one of the reasons for the book is that, two, you know, two sections, there's, the book is basically in four sections. Two, two of the sections of the book actually pertain to personal life. One of the things that turned out to be the case is that I didn't meet, her name is Brittany. I did not meet, I met Brittany one-to-one -one in October of 2014. It turned out that Brittany already knew who I was in 2011. And so the book Why did she about, know? Why did she know who you were? She knew who I was because she was paid, during one of my investigations in 2011, she was paid to distract me from the investigation by filing a number of falsified documents with, with courts. She was paid essentially to, to distract me. And that's how she first knew who I was. There are so many supplements out there, it's confusing what's best for optimizing your health. Beyond getting your basic nutrition, if there's one vital ingredient for optimal health, it's carbon 60. Why? Because carbon 60 is the world's most effective supplement at reducing inflammation and increasing longevity. Inflammation is a major contributing factor of almost all disease, including Alzheimer's, asthma, cancer, heart disease, obesity, and COVID vaccine injury. If you are serious about your health, try Carbon 60. Be careful though, not all Carbon 60 supplements are equal. 
I recommend Carbon 60 by Live Longer Labs, the scientists who first brought you Carbon 60 that was suitable for human consumption. They were also first to bring you Carbon 60 in pill form, first to incorporate black seed oil and curcumin, and first to incorporate frequency technology that gives you full spectrum health. You can be confident that you will be buying the absolute best. Buy or learn more with the link below or go to sarahwestel.com under shop. So she got married knowing that there's a potential issue here that could surface and you just happened to find it. Was fully aware. Well, that's too bad. That's too bad. I'm sorry. These personal situations end up getting in the way. You kind of find you stumble into things in the oddest ways. I mean, this is kind of an odd way to stumble into it. And the fact that you were persevered. Why are you persevering? Why didn't you just, I'm glad you are. I think it's important for our country. I think this is the crux of why Katie Hobbs, they needed Katie Hobbs to keep this going. And I would assume Carrie Lake would uncover it and try to fix some stuff. So why, why are you, did you persevere through this? Not that I'm saying you shouldn't have, because I'm glad you did, but why? Well, one of the reasons is because you can never give in to blackmail ever. Um, it doesn't matter what they have, what they don't have, even in course of child, because once you give into the blackmail, you don't know where that's going to go. There's no such thing as a singular blackmail. Uh, there's no such that's thing true. as taking this child. You stop the investigation, we'll give him back and that'll be the end of it. No, it won't. No, no, it won't. It never is. Um, McKinley deserves, as you, as you said before, look, you know, I have said this this way and, and I will say it again. Arizona is a cesspool of corruption. Uh, and I think our book very clearly shows that and shows how bad this really is um, in ways that we couldn't even discuss in an hour or two. Um, McKinley deserves a better world. He deserves a better circumstance and ultimately deserves not having to be around relatives who are involved in this kind of illegal activity. And the problem was, is that, you know, what what was I going to get back? You know, get him back for a month or two and then have him taken again. I mean, this was the third time he was abducted. The only way to end this is to essentially end this. And, you know, I don't expect a day after I release the book next month. uh, By the way, the book is being released next month on September 19 because it is the third anniversary of the abduction. Um, So we specifically have, have released it on that date because we want people to realize two things that one, you know, really bad stuff happens, but you do persevere. You do make change. You know, out of bad stuff, you make change. One of the things that we've done is we created out of this something called Project Thaler, which is under projectthaler.org. And it is a charitable organization that helps families whose children have been abducted. So I have about, I think, about five or six cases right now where I am assisting parents whose children have been abducted, usually by another family member, uh, to try to get back their children. And, you know, we've had success over the years. It's something that I have done in, in practice over the years, long before this. And so we've created an organization in order to do that. Um, you can take bad things and make good things happen out of them. Uh, you know, my relationship with McKinley was that I was his primary caregiver. Uh, my relationship with him was stellar and it will continue to be in the future. This is a horrible, unfortunate thing. Um, I think they really thought I was going to cave to it and then when I didn't, they got stuck in this in this bad situation, continuing to hold him. You know, he'll know what happened. He'll know exactly what his parents, you know, what his parents did, what his mother did, what his father did, you know, what his grandparents did, et cetera. Um, you know, he'll know and and, you know, he will act accordingly. Um, but there was no way to put him in a position where after three abductions, there was going to be a fourth or a fifth or a sixth and where this would be a constant, constant battle. There's no way to do that. Um, it would be unfair to him. How so, old is he now? Know, five. Five. Okay. He's a little guy. Okay. Well, before we close this out here, how how high does this go? Like by cleaning this up, how much does it clean up the problems that we have with the country at large? Well, one of the things that we're going to talk about in the book, and and I, I there are look. One of one of the statements I make in the book very early on is that if you're looking for political cover in this book, you're not going to find it. One, because we're not partisan about this. This is a very equal opportunity racketeering enterprise. There are Republicans involved. There are Democrats involved. It is not a matter of which party you like or don't like. So if you're looking for this to be anti-Trump, it's not that. If you're looking it to be pro-Trump, it's not that. 
That being said, one of the things that we will talk about in the election section, the election integrity section, is that it is it is very likely uh, that, at least in terms of the state of Arizona, it's very likely that the election results in 2020 were wrong and that President Trump actually won the state of Arizona. Now, you can like that fact. You cannot like that fact. But if you want to call me a mega person, all that, you're kind of missing the point. We will go That's into right. detail about the election, how it worked, what goes wrong in Arizona, which is mostly, not all, but mostly in the mail-in ballot system. Um, we've been privy to see, not a lot, but we've been privy to see, I, well, let me explain this for a moment because I think it's important. In Arizona, about two, there's about 8 million people. There's about 5 million or so who can vote, who are eligible to vote, give or take. There's about 2 million who, who vote by mail-in ballot. And when I say mail-in ballot, they get a ballot, they fill it out, they put it in an envelope, they seal the envelope, it's already pre-addressed, and then they sign the back of the envelope. They put their signature there. What Runback Election Services is supposed to do is to have do a comparison of the signature on the back of the ballot to a known public signature, usually a driver's license. So you've got a signature on the ballot, you have the driver's license signature, it goes to a machine, and the machine is set with parameters to determine, is this signature matching this signature? That's what it does. In Arizona, the signature match only has to be 10%, meaning that the signature on your driver's license only has to be a 10% match to the signature on the ballot for that ballot to be automatically counted. That's automatically counted. Okay. Now, with any ballots that don't get through that process, which is usually about somewhere between 100 and 150,000 ballots that wind up not of the 2 million that don't get through that system where there's not enough of a match for the computer to match them. Then they're supposed to be looked at by an individual. An individual is supposed to look and decide, is this a match? What happens, however, is that, which is what Carrie Lake was able to show in her trial, is that the amount of time spent per each one of these 100,000 or so envelopes is, is less than two seconds. So in what was literally, I think, 1.8 seconds, an individual has to look at the two signatures and decide if there's enough of a match, even though the computer says there isn't one, is there enough of a match to pass them through the system? And what's been happening traditionally at Runback, whether you call it fraud or you just call it incompetence, is that most of these 100,000 wind up passing through. So forget the 10% you know, number already on signature matches. What you have going through the system after this is these didn't even get through 10% that are still getting passed through. Well, the number the of likelihood? ballots that are getting rejected is extreme. It, it, what is the likelihood that a signature is valid if it has less than 10% match? Well, let's go further. Let me, let me take it a step further with you. We've been able, we haven't been able to get our hands on all 100,000 for the 2020 election or the same thing for the 2022 election because Runbeck Election Services won't provide them. And the <laughs> county of Mar Maricopa County will not provide them. Now, let me contrast this to something because I think it's interesting to note. After the 2000 election you know, with Florida and all the things that went wrong in Florida, one of the things that occurred was that the Associated Press filed a FOIA request and got a hold of every single ballot cast, every dangling Chad, you know, partially dangling Chad, hanging Chad, et cetera, every ballot cast in the state of Florida and did the count, did, did their own presidential account their own way. They did it. They did it eight different ways. Um, ultimately, they actually did 11 different ways, but eight different fundamental ways of counting ballots. And in all of those ways, President Bush won Florida. Because that's what we do. We allow the press in. We allow the public in. We allow the public to see these things and to make counts and that's to judge right. for themselves. Ensure that the election was actually fair. Now, this gets no publicity from the mainstream media that this ever happened. But Associated Press did this, ran these studies, and determined very quickly that, that Bush had won the election. That's the reality. In our particular case, in the situation that we have here, it's not that way. Uh, what happens here is that Maricopa County uses a couple of obscure statutes that don't even say what they claim they say to prevent the public or anyone else from actually getting a hold of these ballots and these ballot envelopes. So nobody can see these envelopes. 
This is the problem. In fact, in fact, Kerry Lake is currently separately suing uh, uh, Maricopa County to get a hold of these. And the reason is because on the ones that we've been able to examine, we've been able to examine a couple of hundred of these from 2020. Um, nobody's been able to release or get the 2022 ones. But from 2020, we've been able to get a number of these. And we can tell you with absolute certainty, not only are the signatures fake, are the signatures forgeries, but we can tell you in about, in about I think, 10, 15% of the cases, we can actually identify the forger. Oh That's God. how bad it is. That's how bad it is. That's what I thought. I mean, if it's less than 10% match, the likelihood of it being a forgery is pretty high. Yeah. And, and I, when I say forgery, let me tell you something. Um, you're talking about stuff that isn't even in the ballpark. I mean, we've got signature comparisons and it's not even that we have just the one driver's license. Just to be safe, we've looked at anything and everything we can get on that person to try to find anything that matches the ballot signature. Uh, these aren't in the ballpark. I mean, these are just it, it would be if you gave it you know, to some grandmother to write. It, it's not anywhere close. Well, and um, a lot of them match each other. Right. Of the, and that's the other thing too. Not that we have a couple of different forgers involved that we know of because of you know what we've been doing. We can actually tell you that a number of the that what's happened is a number of these ballots have sat somewhere and have been done by one person. And there's a lot of different ways in which they try to mask this. You know what we call we call it intentionally deceptive signature. Um, it's something that handwriting experts will talk about where somebody, you know, is trying to deceive with their handwriting, try to make it look like it's not their handwriting. Um, there are very specific points to that, that you can look at on a document to tell that somebody is trying to be deceitful. Uh, it's kind of like taking a lie detector test or taking a psychological exam and trying to beat the exam. There are safeguards built into all of these things that tell you when somebody's trying to be deliberate, you know, deliberate and deliberately deceptive in what they're doing. We and so that's be one of, deceptive in so many ways for the same person over so many well, ballots and signatures. One of the examples is, is that, um, you know, my 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 former spouse, who, by the way, isn't even my former spouse. That's a whole other section of the book. The the divorce decree that we have is actually a, a forgery. Um, so of all of all the forgeries, so is that. But okay. on, on the thing documents over the years that she has forged, there are certain characteristics of her handwriting that she simply cannot hide. There's a certain way she writes certain numbers. There's a certain way she writes certain letters that no matter how much she tries to hide them, she still can't do it. And those things come up over and over and over, come up in, you know, in documents we have in other states, et cetera. So over time, you can build a profile and you can build a, a chart um, of all the different you know, signature styles and types that a person has. And so you can just start matching them. So they may have eight or nine different ways that they try to sign things, you know, where they'll write, you know, a, you know, a, you know, a B a certain way or an E a certain way or an S a certain way, and they'll, they'll come up with different ways to do it. But over time, if you have enough documents, and this is where 150,000 documents are really handy, what you wind up seeing from them is eight or nine styles that you can just match. You can say, okay, this matches with style two, this matches with style seven, this matches with style eight. And over time, that whole you know, handwriting deception falls apart. That's so right. we've, been we've been able to go to the 2020 ballots and take a look at this. It just by the sheer, you know, if you just, you know, just by audit, you know, by audit numbers, audits don't look at everything, they take sample groups. Just by the sample group we have seen, we definitely can say without a doubt, there are more than the 10,000 votes. I think it's about 10,400 and some odd votes that Trump lost the state of Arizona by. We can tell you with absolute certainty that there are more than 10,400 votes that would have gone his way or certainly would have been thrown out for Joe Biden. Well, that's, um, yeah. And, and, that, and that's, it, that was pretty obvious by some of the behavior that was happening. And you were just backing it up with facts and proof. Okay, so I'm going to get back to my question. Obviously, this would have changed the presidential election. But beyond that, how much would cleaning up this go towards cleaning up the bigger country? I know the election is a big deal. It, it fixed one presidential election. But let's talk about it from a bigger standpoint. How much I'll, is I'll this corruption festering yeah. all the way up? I'll give you two ways to look at this. Um, you know, Arizona is not California or New York or Florida or Texas in terms of size. But that's kind of a good thing in the sense that one, of, I guess maybe, maybe this is a great way to put it. 
there are reasons why a state like Arizona is targeted. One, obviously, because it tends to be what they call a purple state. It at least has enough registration uh, to be kind of, you know, wishy-washy. It could go Republican. It could go Democrat. You can't take a state, you know, that's that's entire. You can't take South Dakota and say, oh, wait, you know, Biden won. That, that, that would just be so absurd. Nobody would believe it. And this whole thing would collapse. So you have to, to, to in order to affect a presidential election, you have to do certain things. One is, is that you have to have major counties like Maricopa, where the difference in the vote is going to be less than 2%, where the difference between voting between, say, Joe Biden and, 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 and Donald Trump is going to be less than 2%. Okay. From there, then you can start dealing with how are we going to then affect the election. And because different states do voting different ways, there's going to be different methods that are used. One of the things that we have in this investigation is about, I think it's about, we have five, five and a half years of phone records uh, between a number of the, you know, between some of the criminals. So we can see who's called and in what states and in what locations and in what counties. So we can better, we can much better, we don't talk about it as much in the book because it's almost a separate book, um, but we can pinpoint, you know, potential counties in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, um, where we believe similar tactics as what's gone on in Maricopa County have gone on. It um, sounds like it's so going it, on all over the country. I mean, they just target it, certain areas and do it everywhere. I mean, it seems like right. the county I'm in is gonna is targeted for that as well because we could be either way. So beyond elections, elections well, is a big deal. How else is, do you I think, think the, it could it be yeah, affecting but, corruption all the way up to the federal level? Well, here's how I look at this. Okay. By focusing on the Arizona situation and showing how this was done in Arizona. We believe we can go a long way to showing how this was done, you know, across the country. Um, so that's that's the first part of it. Uh, the second part of it is is this: um, because we can show this kind of level of corruption, it provides. It wasn't intended, but it provides Donald Trump with at least par- a partial defense to some of the claims that he's made. You know, part of his defense has been: look, when the election occurred, people came to me. And they said to me, the people around me came to me and said, there's fraud going on. I have a right as president of the United States to investigate that fraud. I have a right to call states. I have a right to call secretaries of state in various states and explore whether or not that happened. Now, the turnaround to that from the Justice Department uh, and from Smith has been, from special counsel has been, uh, no, you essentially no, you don't that if there's something specific going on in election fraud, you can bring lawsuits to the courts. Um, you can, you know, you can certainly ask somebody to look into it. You can certainly make comment, but that's not your purview. Well, if it turns out like we believe it does that in Arizona, for example, you know, the, the, the ch- there would have been a change at the federal level in a federal election for president of the United States, at least one state is not what it claims to be that that state went for a different candidate. And frankly, like I said, on our end, we don't care if it went for Trump and should have gone for Biden or went for Biden and should have gone for Trump. If we can show that there's enough of a fraud there, that it would have changed the outcome of that state, that is something that's going to have a ripple effect throughout, I think, the Justice Department and even through the defenses that President Trump is bringing, because that proves you know, what his initial theory was on this to be true, that there was, in fact, the corruption. There was, in fact, a concerted effort to keep him from winning the election. Well, uh, but and the, this what is do you think as a lawyer? I, I don't mean to cut you up, but I, I need to throw this in there. What do you think of the fact to me, it says they are covering up for this fraud by trying to go after him at this point, saying you can't even question the election there. It's like a thug Stalin Mao kind of move where they're just you can't question an election and they know that it was fraudulent. And so they're doing it anyways to cover that their own fraud up. Well, one of the things we talk about in the book is is something that's very heavily overlooked is that, you know, I've said this before, drug cartels are a business like any other business. We see the violence part because it makes the news. We see the shows on TV because that's television. But people really forget what we're really talking about here. You know, especially remember the Cali cartel was a bunch of businessmen, bankers. Yes. You know, this was 
not what you normally would picture to be the people involved in in in, in drugs and in drug same sales. With human so people kind of don't really way. have a very and human trafficking is the same way. So the problem that you get into here is that the moment President Trump won, the, the moment, the moment the election was called for him in 2016, was the moment where cartels, just like big oil, just like big pharma, just like big agriculture, said, OK, how do we defeat this guy? He's going to build a wall. He's going to prosecute. He's going to at least do, you know, I'm not sure it was going to be a lot, but certainly a lot more than anyone else and certainly a lot more than Joe Biden has done. Um, you've got this problem where we're going to lose billions of dollars with this guy in office, billions of dollars. If you don't believe that a cartel of any type is going to spend money to ensure that the person who has just screwed them out of billions of dollars is going to lose the next election, then you don't understand elections. Elections in this country have always been that way to some degree, uh, going all the way back to George Washington. This is not new, but the scale of it is and the kind of money involved is. And so, you know, the moment he won the election, there were billions of dollars spent to make sure he couldn't win re-election. He simply couldn't win. And whatever was necessary with the favors that have been bought in all these counties, in all of these states, those come home to roost. And that's what happened in Arizona. That's what happened in Michigan. That's what happened in Wisconsin. That's what happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, states where clearly those states were going to be close, but were also going to decide the election. Um, no notice how he did in 2016. Notice what the difference is in 2020. Very small percentages. In each of these states and, and in Georgia as well, which has its own set of, of issues, as you know. Um, but you look at these states that would have made or broken who became president and notice how they went and look not just at the state itself, but start looking into the counties, which specific counties switched by how much. Would you and think that's that big, give... Do you think big tech is involved with the drug cartels and the money, you know, the human trafficking and all that, too, because they were really hardcore trying to not let. I mean, all the facts are coming out. They hardcore or, did what they can to sway things. And they're yes, also but, doing what they can to cover up all this fraud that was occurring. So were are they involved and in bed with the cartels, the human trafficking as well? No, I would say I would say it differently. I they, they, It's possible that they are, but that I wouldn't focus on that. I would look well, at it a little why differently. Why are they in bed with that? Why are they? Why is their agenda? I'm, I have different ideas with the World Economic Forum and stuff, but why is the, the cartels in, in line with big tech and the World Economic Forum? China. Okay, so the China, go ahead. Let me, let me explain that answer a little bit because it's something that is talked about in, in my book and it's something that usually is not even asked by people, but it's something that I think most people don't realize. You know, we saw over the, you know, we saw over the last couple months, we saw the spy balloon and we saw some other things from China. You know, we see them harassing our fighters, you know, near Taiwan, but we don't realize what China really actually does. Most of the drugs that come across our border from Mexico, either the money or the raw materials are supplied by China. They don't, they don't just form in Mexico. Somebody doesn't just go to a field in Mexico. You know, with marijuana, that's different. But with fentanyl, comes from China. A lot of the key ingredients that wind up going into crystal methamphetamine, China. Heroin, China. China has been at war with the United States for years. And it's, a, it's, it's not just a cold war, it's a quiet war. Not only has China been doing that, but China has been slowly infiltrating a number of things in the United States, which includes property, which we now have heard of more so because a number of states have passed laws about you know, Chinese nationals buying property. So it's now come to the forefront. But what most people don't know, for example, is the Chinese infiltration into, into states like Arizona and Utah. Huge infiltration in both Arizona and Utah. And I talk about this in the book. That the monies now are coming through, the Chinese monies are now basically coming through the cartels into the United States, with China also now buying properties up in the United States. That's how this is working. It's kind of a triad. And like so, I said, the book, so I'll talk to they're, they're controlling the drugs. And because they want to preserve that war and that industry, they also control big tech now. And so they're telling right. big tech to do this because they, they preserve. And then the World Economic Forum is in bed with China, which is so odd. I don't understand. I'm still right. trying to figure that part out. But China is kind of the puppet masters right now. And, Correct. Okay. Correct. And now, 
on a global on a global political science scale, yeah, that's exactly it. So the problem, of course, with with all of the high tech companies is one, they want that they want access to the Chinese market. The Chinese market obviously is huge. There's billions of people. So let's and they sell don't... out our country. Let's sell out our kids and everything else so we can make a buck in the Chinese market. Nice job, guys. But go for keep sure. going. I mean, what the hell is well, wrong with you? But keep no, going. No, for... And it's and it's more than that, you know. And then you have, of course, the manufacturing. Um, you know, you know, if you have an iPhone, uh, there's been some changes to this because of public pressure. But mostly, if you've got an iPhone, especially if there's an iPhone anywhere in the world outside of the United States, that was that was for sure manufactured in China. Um, you know, and same thing, you know, same thing with other products now. So high tech has a big investment in China, in the Chinese market, in the ad revenue, especially, uh, you know, and in, you know, what are what we used to call emerging markets, you know, where, where there's consumers, sure. you know, where there is a, a Chinese middle class of consumers. Um, they are, they're not going to miss out and, and they, they have no intention of doing so. Uh, you know, I mean, look, look at it this way. You know, we talk about, you know, solar pa panels and, and, and solar this and, and batteries for cars that, you know, most people don't know that all of that is manufactured in China and it's manufactured well, in such a way that harms the environment. And yet here we can't we can't fall over ourselves fast enough to, you know, to go to electric. Well, no sense. we're stupid. It's totally stupid. But China, we have to understand their motivations being, are they, they don't want to, do they care if they get rid of their customer base here? Are we intertwined? Or are they willing to sell us out? Because they don't give a crap. They're communist run and they don't care if they take all our resources, kill us and destroy a customer would... base just to get power. So that that's yeah. where it's at. Because sometimes having having a mutual dependent situation is actually helpful. But if one of those parties don't care about that mutual dependency and are, would take the hit internally just to destroy you, then you have a problem. Well, one of the things we didn't co cover a lot of in this country, and I think because most people just wouldn't care about it, is the election that just recently occurred in Brazil. Um, that's an election where you had, you know, you had a president of the country who was very anti-China run against a president of the country who was very pro-China. Now, what does that really mean? What that translates into is that China has been building businesses in Brazil for years. Why? Resources. What China essentially does is you know, China for, for the land mass that it is, it doesn't have a lot of the resources of a modern society. It has some, but doesn't have a lot. So China has to go outside of itself for resources, just like Japan does. China has to go outside of itself for resources. So China goes into other countries and takes on resources. They make deals with people. They are hor horrific deals with, within, you know, with it, I, I hate these years the word indigenous, but with native natives of certain countries, including like Brazil, they make these deals. Uh, the deals wind up giving them kind of like a foreclosure right or very draconian, give them a foreclosure right. China winds up foreclosing and taking over, you know, parts of countries, essentially. You know, well, that's what our bankers like did. That's what our central bankers were doing, taking advantage of. I mean, we're not yeah. that innocent either uh, when you look at how we were taking advantage of and of third world countries with with the banking deals it's a, the banking families really hosing over other countries so china coming in and doing uh, that look, isn't much look, different lot, but go ahead no there's a lot of blame to go around and, and it does not make you know what the united states did in the 50s 60s 70s blameless at all 80s um 90s 80s yeah. but, but the 50s 60s especially when we were just exploiting yeah. you know countries blatantly doing it yeah doing it you know we're the still doing brothers. it too we've been doing it for a while we just do it more sophisticated recently we're doing it in a more sophisticated fashion through banks right. and loans and doing the same thing right so i mean it's not it's nothing new uh but the difference with china is is that china is doing it specifically to defeat us you know, we did it in the 50s, 60s, 70s, mostly because we were saying we were defeating communism. And what would happen, which is, you know, what happened with the Contras and the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, was you had Russia coming in, the Soviet Union coming in. We had already experienced a base in, in, um, in Cuba. You know, we didn't want that to happen again. So we had these, you know, geopolitical reasons for doing things. What people don't know today is that China actually now has an active base on Cuba. Not a lot different than what the Russians did. We don't talk about it much. It does make the papers. So it's not something I somehow know by osmosis. It does make the papers, but it's not something that's discussed much. Uh, what weapons are on that base? We don't know because the government doesn't tell us. 
that there are Chinese troops there. We do know that is the case. Well, there's um, supposedly you know, troops on indi- indigenous lands here, Indian uh, well, reservations that... and stuff. I've been hearing that for a while. And there's definitely troops on the west coast of Canada. Well, there certainly has been a problem, as you know, with infiltration of, of Chinese nationals that certainly have military ties into these places. So when you look at this bigger picture, the, the, the problem that you have is you've got China. You've got China wanting to depress, I think is the best way I can put it, depress the United States. Two great ways to do that, economically and socially. So you've got TikTok, you've got drugs, you've got some of these idiotic policies. Yeah, but it's not just school- TikTok. I'm going to stop you. It's all big tech. It's all big tech. Oh, no. I, TikTok is, is just one no. of them. No. And they're probably not even as bad, but keep going. No, no. But what I'm suggesting by this is, is that you get into two different areas here. One is, is the drugs and so and socialization issues, which is okay. the control. Well, it doesn't matter what, what everyone thinks of Microsoft or, or Google. They're all or in bed. They're all in bed they're, with them. They're all in bed with them. But thing, I, I use TikTok as more of an example to say, look, you know, here's a specific example of where the Chinese have put something in sure. that clearly had to know was addictive. The reason why I wanted to push back on TikTok is because, I mean, this is my my wheelhouse, okay? The reason why I pushed back on them, they were using TikTok as a, main, a means to, oh, we got to censor Chinese TikTok. And then they were using it as a means to just create this authoritarian umbrella on everybody. It was a BS backdoor way to really put the reins on and China was involved in that or somebody whoever's manipulating the big tech companies were clearly they want to have what Nazi Germany wanted but they want it on all the big tech I mean the Stasi would be drooling at what these guys are doing I I, I agree I agree so you know one of the things I talk about in the book um, in the first couple of chapters in the book is this larger picture, because it's not something that I think most people do know about or understand. But I talk about this larger picture and I talk about the fact that this is what's gone on, that you have this geopolitical struggle here where China is dumping money, dumping drugs, dr- dumping chemicals into Mexico, which are coming up over our border somewhat unfettered. I would say almost totally unfettered. Yeah. Uh, all of the environment for then what happens in the corruption. And as, as I've, one of the things I've said in other interviews is that, look, if you've got billions of dollars at stake, if you're cartels and you have billions of dollars at stake, and the guy who's in charge of the country or in charge of the state for that matter, is stopping the flow of billions of your dollars. It's got nothing to do with drugs, it has to do with the money. You're stopping the flow of the money ultimately. If that's gonna happen, then, then you know any company that's seeing that kind of cash flow shortage is going to fight back. And they're going to use every means available. Uh, and, and that's what we don't look at. We say, oh, you know, maybe somebody defrauded. Maybe they didn't know. Oh, why can't we see these, these ballots in, in, in Maricopa County? And so, but you're missing the bigger picture. And that is that as long as, as somebody runs, if they can control an election the way this one was in, in 2020, then so long as there's money to be made in drugs, you're going to have the same results. It's going to be extremely difficult. No matter, I don't care how many people like or don't like President Trump, it's going to be extremely difficult to win without a change, a significant one, in how we process elections. One of the things that 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 is now a, a you know has started as a small movement, but has grown a lot of strength in Arizona, is to make election day in 2024 a holiday in the state. Nobody goes to work. It is the only voting day. No mail-in ballots. Everybody's ballot is counted by hand. It's hand marked and counted by hand. That's it. Now, whether or not that'll get off the ground, hard to say. Um, a lot of counties now, especially the smaller counties like Cochise County, want to do this. They have been threatened with with legal action, including criminal legal action, uh, by by Mays, who is the attorney general, uh, and you know, really working on behalf of Hobbs. They've been told if you do that, we are going to sue you, we're going to put you in jail, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Hobbs but is the mo- one that should be in jail, her and her cronies. Yeah. And so this is this is the problem. But one of the things is is that if they can pull this off in Arizona, 
it's going to be a lot of work. It's a lot of work to hand count ballots. This is not an easy process. You know, you've got to get honest people in there to do it. It's, it's not as it's not as simple as people think. However, one of the things that I know, I know Jackie and I were talking about this the other day is that, you know, you're looking at actuarial tables. You're looking at analytics. You're looking at what changes. OK, if we actually do this election totally by hand count, what are the changes in the analytics? And can we use that information to show the dynamic differences, to show what likely was the fraud in 2022 and 2020? And the answer is, yeah, you can. Um, even by doing just one presidential election this way, we can very likely get into the analytics of this, get into the numbers, the percentages, the statistical data, and show how far off the elections were in those previous years. Well, let me um, ask you, you though. Know, we may only well, but how far is that going to get? All the courts are corrupt. They didn't let even the information be looked at. I mean, if all the if if the courts that this go into are the ones who are bribed and corrupt and part of this whole scheme, how do you you might have all the facts in the world that it's so obvious. Well, to me, everything is obvious, but it's so obvious you have. All your, you know, I's dotted, all your T's crossed. You got a full pro proof case and the court won't let you see it. That's what we're dealing with now. Well, there's a difference because that's the whole point of the hand counts is to ensure that you don't even get to that. That's if right. you can't count on the on the which which you couldn't. And I'll talk about that in the book about Carrie Lake and about Abe Hamaday, who, who you know, lost the attorney general race by about 237 votes or so. Uh and yet there's 9,000 votes left outstanding that nobody will count. You know, for those Democrats who've been screaming, count all the votes, all votes should count. Yeah, except when you're going to lose. And, yeah, they, and, they, and, they're you know, just as corrupt as, they just don't, they know. It, People have to know. Only the all, dumbest of us out that, here don't know. Right. Okay, so the idea well, of the, go ahead. So the end counts is that it won't matter because you're going to bypass all of the electronic counting. You're going to bypass run back you know, um, election services. You're going to bypass the courts because the, the, the numbers will be the numbers. Everybody will be there. They'll be watching the votes get counted. The votes get counted. That's the number. Um, is this a panacea? No. And it, and it shouldn't be taken as one. It is, it is not necessarily the be all end all solution, but it certainly for the moment is the best solution anybody has to this problem. It's part of it. I mean, you, your chain of custody needs to be really tight too, because then they can mess with it along the way. You have to make sure all of that's tight. The computer systems can't be messed with all of that, but having hand ballots or paper ballots is definitely number one. We're the only country that doesn't do that now. I mean, we're just, as far as the first world countries, we are the only, they all went back to it because they knew that it, without this, you have fraud. Right. Right. Okay. No, well, let's and, and, go ahead. I was just to say, you know, that's, that's one of, one of the, one of the problems is that, you know, the, the machine, the machine issues, one of the things that we have, for example, is we also have a declaration from an individual, uh, again, under penalty of perjury, again, notarized, uh, who specifically witnessed ballot harvesting, not even ballot harvesting, ballot creation, uh, where ballots were literally created um, at housed a specific location, put onto several trucks and driven over to run back election That's services. Right. Um, wow. So we they need to be well. run out of business and you need a new it just needs to be done differently. And there should yeah. be no reason why they don't give up the ballots. I mean, the fact that they're not giving up the ballots should be a smoking gun right there. It's like, come yeah. on, people. And then why are the Republicans doing nothing if they actually care about? It's because of this corruption. That's why I'm saying this corruption is festering and affecting everyone. And it's also affecting our the fentanyl issues everywhere, people dying. It's just a big problem. It's also affecting big tech. It, it See, it's a domino effect. This is where I say the cost of corruption is bigger than their few billion dollars or whatever they're going to. Yeah, they might suffer going through this and need really sharp cookies fixing it. But the cost is astronomical across the entire country. We are losing hundreds of billions. I mean, it's a and lives and lives aren't even you can't even measure that in money so okay well how do people get this book okay uh the book the book will be available uh everywhere uh everywhere that books are sold starting september 19 the book is called report to the governor 
Uh, later today, I think probably about an hour or so, we're going to start with pre-sales. Uh, so there will be pre-sales of the book. The book will be at a, at a, at a discounted amount. Uh, people can buy it in advance. And I will be signing, you know, every single book that goes out uh, from the pre-sales. Um, they can go to reporttothegovernor.com, which is one word, reporttothegovernor.com. Uh, they can go anytime after, I think, about the next hour or so. I think it may even be up by now. Uh, and they will be able to make the purchase of the book. Uh, and like I said, what will come with it is the instructions on going back to the reporttothegovernor.com website going into the footnotes and being able to access the 5,000 or so documents that we're going to have there, that footnote directly to the book. So well, if I they want to follow- that website tight, you probably are and have some mirrored locations because they might mess with that as well. Uh, oh, for sure. Um, so, you know, one of the things they can do is they can follow me on Twitter. Um, we have two different Twitter sites for this. One is my name, which is Thaler-esque, Thaler-E-S-Q being an attorney. Um, they can follow me on Twitter and they will get updates. We also have, um, you know, report to the governor on Twitter, which is done as report governor. Thought that was kind of an interesting play on words. Um, report governor uh, on Twitter and they can get updates that way. They can also get them on Facebook now and on Instagram as well. Um, on, on Facebook, it's report to the governor and we'll have updates and we'll have all the information for people to be able to purchase the book. And then, like I said, what they'll be able to do is get an additional set of narratives and the 5,000 or so documents that are footnoted directly off of the site once they make the purchase. I would suggest also getting on a free speech platform or some sort that's not controlled by big tech so that it's not uh, hunkered down because they're probably going to mess with you. I oh, I, I we, honest. we, we, we expect it. And, and, you know, it's not, it won't be a first, um, but yeah. you know, we expect it and we're prepared for it. Well, then get on another, be prepared by getting on another one that it, that won't do it to you. <laughs> I mean, well, we, just, we, I've been around a while in this arena. I'm yeah. been no, I'm we very censored. So. so we have, we have backups for, you know, for our site. So anybody tries to crash the site, we can handle it that way That's as well. Good. So we've got, we in the fire to be able to try to protect for this. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining. I actually, I'm really um, thankful. And I think everybody should be thankful that you're out there pushing as hard as you can to bring this information forward. Jacqueline, thank you so much for the reporting that you've done and the investigative work that you've done. I think this is, it's just important for our country to clean this stuff up. So thank you. Yes. And I appreciate the, you know, being here and, um, yeah, you know, I think the next step is just everybody needs to do something. Yeah, yeah. And, and and first you got to start with being informed and then making sure you doesn't happen at your local levels, right? You got to start locally. Absolutely. But I think well, uh, no more bearing but, heads in the... <laughs> right. I, I think one other thing I would say is that, you know, so many people say to us, you know, well, this matters, I guess, you know, we certainly care about the, the McKinley situation, but but they don't really understand on a day-to-day -day basis how it affects them. And one of the things that we spend a lot of time on in the book, that I spent a good amount of time on in the book, was kind of trying to describe to people, as, as you have put it, you know, how does this actually affect them? How does this corruption actually negatively That's impact right. them on a Because a lot of people don't know how that is, and it's very important that they do. That it's very important that they understand that this corruption affects you on a on a daily basis. My daughter had a friend just this year that died from fentanyl overdose. I mean, this is not this affects everybody. Yeah, and if yeah, you've seen it, the sound of freedom, you'll see how it affects you know the that's right the the, the um, human child trafficking. trafficking, human trafficking. I mean, they don't deal in the movie with this, but the you know organ trafficking. I mean, it it's is all connected. It, it, all connected and it's all become so so vast i mean there's so much of it it's it's crazy and you know i'm sorry well, but we are allowing <laughs> well and that's why i want to get beyond arizona i want to understand how it affects us at a bigger picture i think that's important and where the corruption is coming from and getting to the bottom of this um beyond arizona arizona is one hub where are the other hubs and how is it affecting us and how does it flow up to the national level? I've been covering human trafficking since 2015. So, uh, yeah. And it's really yeah. bad on, um, over the borders and on the, the tribal lands. It's really bad. Right. I right. mean, my, you know, motivation, you know, for, 
for and how I keep going and doing all this is really the children. Starts with McKinley, but it's the children. You know, I also know people who have died from fentanyl overdoses. I also know, you know, um, you know, I just to me that is that is just the worst thing that we as a as a country um could be endorsing, which we that's, are, but just not doing right. By not doing anything and and censoring those who are trying to do something. That's even worse. By these big companies that claim that they care, they're actually making it so that these criminals can can thrive. Exactly. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining the program and keep doing what you're doing. And and we're, we're going to have to have you back later as you go as this thing comes out and then you get the big backlash and then you go through everything that you're going to go through. You're going to have a whirlwind of stuff happening. And I'd really like to hear what happens after because that that's going to be an interview. You're going to have all sorts of tales to tell. Oh, for sure. Oh, we're expecting it. <laughs> Just stay strong because <laughs> it's coming. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you.